0: chapter 13 of the filigree ball by anna katherine green this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by carolyn chapter 13 chiefly thrust the appearance of this witness had undergone a change since she last stood before us she was shamefaced still but her manner showed resolve and a feverish determination to face the situation which could but awaken in the breasts of those who had mr jeffrey's honor and personal welfare at heart a nameless dread as if they already foresaw the dark shadow which minute by minute was slowly sinking over a household which up to a week ago had been the envy and admiration of all washington society the first answer she made revealed both the cause of her shame and the reason of her firmness it was in response to the question whether she loretta had seen miss tuttle before she went out on the walk she was said to have taken immediately after mrs jeffrey's final departure from the house her words were these i did sir i do not think miss tuttle knows it but i saw her in mrs jeffrey's room the emphatic tone offering such a contrast to her former manner of speech might have drawn all eyes to the speaker had not the person she mentioned offered a still more interesting subject to the general curiosity as it was all glances flew to that silent and seemingly impassive figure upon which all open suggestions and covert innuendo had hitherto fallen without creating more than a pressure of her interlaced fingers this direct attack possibly the most threatening she had received appeared to produce no more effect upon her than the others less perhaps for no stir was visible in her now and to some eyes she hardly seemed to breathe curiosity thus baffled led the gaze on to mr jeffrey and even to uncle david but the former had dropped his head again upon his hand and the other well there was little to observe in mr moore at any time save the immense satisfaction he seemed to take in himself so attention returned to the witness who by this time had entered upon a consecutive tale as near as i can remember these are the words with which she prefaced it i am not especially proud of what i did that night but i was led into it by degrees and i am sure i beg the lady's pardon and then she went on to relate how after she had seen mrs jeffrey leave the house she went into her room with the intention of putting it to rights as this was no more than her duty no fault could be found with her but she owned that when she had finished this task and removed all evidence of mrs jeffrey's frenzied condition she had no business to linger at the table turning over the letters she found lying there here the coroner stopped her and made some inquiries in regard to these letters but as they seemed to be ordinary epistles from friends and quite foreign to the investigation he allowed her to proceed her cheeks were burning now for she had found herself obliged to admit that she had read enough of these letters to be sure that they had no reference to the quarrel then pending between her mistress and mr jeffrey her eyes fell and she looked seriously distressed as she went on to say that she was as conscious then as now of having no business with these papers so conscious indeed that when she heard miss tuttle's step at the door her one idea was to hide herself that she could stand and face that lady never so much as occurred to her her own guilty consciousness made her cheeks too hot for her to wish to meet an eye which had never rested on her any too kindly so noticing how straight the curtains fell over one of the windows on the opposite side of the room she dashed towards it and slipped in out of sight just as miss tuttle came in this window was one seldom used owing to the fact that it overlooked an adjoining wall so she had no fear of miss tuttle's approaching it consequently she could stand there quite at her ease and as the curtains in falling behind her had not come quite together she really could not help seeing just what that lady did here the witness paused with every appearance of looking for some token of disapprobation from the crowd but she encountered nothing there but eager anxiety for her to proceed so without waiting for the coroner's question she added in so many words she went first to the bookshelves we had expected it but yet a general movement took place and a few suppressed exclamations could be heard and what did she do there took down a book after looking carefully up and down the shelves what color of book a green one with red figures on it i could see the cover plainly as she took it down like this one exactly like that one and what did she do with this book opened it but not to read it she was too quick in closing it for that did she take the book away no she put it back on the shelf after opening and closing it yes sir did you see whether she put anything into the book i cannot swear that she did but then her back was to me and i could not have seen it if she had the implied suggestion caused some excitement but the coroner frowning on this pressed the girl to continue asking if miss tuttle left the room immediately after turning from the bookshelves loretta replied no that on the contrary she stood for some minutes near them gazing in what seemed like a great distress of mind straight upon the floor after which she moved in an agitated way and with more than one anxious look behind her into the adjoining room where she paused before a large bureau as this bureau was devoted entirely to Mr. Jeffrey's use, Loretta experienced some surprise at seeing his wife's sister approach it in so stealthy a manner. Consequently, she was watching with all her might when this young lady opened the upper drawer and, with very evident emotion, thrust her hand into it what she took out or whether she took out anything this spy upon her movements could not say for when loretta heard the drawer being pushed back into place she drew the curtains close perceiving that miss tuttle would have to face this window in coming back however she ventured upon one other peep through them just as that lady was leaving the room and remembered as if it were yesterday how clay-white her face looked and how she held her left hand pressed close against the folds of her dress it was but a few minutes after this that miss tuttle left the house as we all knew what was kept in that drawer the conclusion was obvious whatever excuse miss tuttle might give for going into her sister's room at this time but one thought one fear or possibly one hope could have taken her to mr jeffrey's private drawer she wished to see if his pistol was still there or if it had been taken away by her sister a revelation of the extreme point to which her thoughts had flown at this crisis and one which effectually contradicted her former statement that she had been conscious of no alarm in behalf of her sister and had seen her leave the house without dread or suspicion of evil the temerity which had made it possible to associate the name of such a man as francis jeffrey with an outrageous crime having been thus in a measure explained the coroner recalled that gentleman and again thoroughly surprised the gaping public had the witness accompanied his wife to the Moor house no had he met her there by any appointment he had made with her or which had been made for them both by some third person no had he been at the moore-house on the night of the eleventh at any time previous to the hour when he was brought there by the officials no would he glance at this impression of certain finger-tips which had been left in the dust of the southwest chamber-mantel he had already noted them now would he place his left hand on the paper and see it is not necessary he burst forth in great heat I own to those marks that is i have no doubt they were made by my hand here unconsciously his eyes flew to the member thus referred to as if conscious that in some way he had proved a traitor to him after which his gaze travelled slowly my way with an indescribable question in it which roused my conscience and made the trick by which I had got the impression of his hand seem less of a triumph than I had heretofore considered it. The next minute he was answering the coroner under oath very much as he had answered him in the unofficial interview at which I had been present. I acknowledge having been in the Moore house and even having been in the southwest chamber but not at the time supposed it was on the previous night he went on to relate how being in a nervous condition and having the key to this old dwelling in his pocket he had amused himself by going through its dilapidated interior all of this made a doubtful impression which was greatly emphasized when in reply to the inquiry as to where he got the light to see by he admitted that he had come upon a candle in an upstairs room and made use of that though he could not remember what he had done with this candle afterward and looked dazed and quite at sea till the coroner suggested that he might have carried it into the closet of the room where his fingers had left their impression in the dust of the mantel-shelf then he broke down like a man from whom some prop is suddenly snatched and looked around for a seat this was given him while a silence the most dreadful i ever experienced held every one there in check but he speedily rallied and with the remark that he was a little confused in regard to the incidents of that night waited with a vivid look in his averted eye for the coroner's next question unhappily for him it was in continuation of the same subject had he bought candles or not at the grocers around the corner yes he had before visiting the house yes had he also bought matches yes what kind common safety matches had he noticed when he got home that the box he had just bought was half empty no nevertheless he had used many matches in going through this old house had he not possibly to light his way upstairs perhaps it might be had he not so used them yes why had he done so if he had candles in his pocket which were so much easier to hold and so much more lasting than a lighted match ah uh, he could not say he did not know his mind was confused he was awake when he should have been asleep it was all a dream to him the coroner became still more persistent did you enter the library on your solitary visit to this old house i believe so what did you do there pottered around i don't remember what light did you use a candle i think you must know well i had a candle it was in a candelabrum what candle and what candelabrum the same i used upstairs of course and you cannot remember where you left this candle and candelabrum when you finally quitted the house no i wasn't thinking about candles what were you thinking about the rupture with my wife and the bad name of the house i was in oh and this was on tuesday night yes sir how can you prove this to us i cannot but you swear i swear that it was tuesday night the night immediately preceding the one when when my wife's death robbed me of all earthly happiness it was feelingly uttered and several faces lightened but the coroner repeating is there no way you can prove this to our satisfaction the shadow settled again and on no head more perceptibly than on that of the unfortunate witness it was now late in the day and the atmosphere of the room had become stifling but no one seemed to be conscious of any discomfort and a general gasp of excitement passed through the room when the coroner taking out a box from under a pile of papers disclosed to the general gaze the famous white ribbon with its dainty bow lying on top of the fatal pistol that this special feature the most interesting one of all connected with this tragedy should have been kept so long in reserve and brought out just at this time struck many of mr jeffrey's closest friends as unnecessarily dramatic but when the coroner lifting out the ribbon remarked tentatively you know this ribbon we were more struck by the involuntary cry of surprise which rose from some one in the crowd about the door than by the look with which mr jeffrey eyed it and made the necessary reply that cry had something more than nervous excitement in it identifying the person who had uttered it as a certain busy little woman well known in town i sent an officer to watch her then recalled my attention to the point the coroner was attempting to make he had forced mr jeffrey to recognize the ribbon as the one which had fastened the pistol to his wife's arm now he asked whether in his opinion a woman could tie such a bow to her own wrist and when in common justice mr jeffrey was obliged to say no waited a third time before he put the general suspicion again into words cannot you by some means or some witness prove to us that it was on tuesday night and not on wednesday you spent the hours you speak of on this scene of your marriage and your wife's death the hopelessness which more than once had marked mr jeffrey's features since the beginning of this inquiry reappeared with renewed force as this suggestive question fell again upon his ears and he was about to repeat his plea of forgetfulness when the coroner's attention was diverted by a request made in his ear by one of the detectives in another moment mr jeffrey had been waved aside and a new witness sworn in you can imagine every one's surprise mine most of all when this witness proved to be Uncle David End of Chapter thirteen